0: Birthing babies might sound like the most natural thing in the world, but in reality, all birthing experiences are dependent on a multitude of factors and none more so than the medical advice and care given in the lead-up to and during birth. Hi, I'm Catherine Henry of Catherine Henry Lawyers, and in this episode of Law Matters, I want to talk about maternal birth choices and what happens when mothers suffer trauma during birth. For a long time, New South Wales Health had a policy of what they termed towards normal birth. But recently, that blueprint was rescinded in exchange for a new set of guidelines, connecting, listening and responding. Separate to that, the New South Wales Upper House of Parliament has recently announced an inquiry into maternal birth trauma. We're recording this episode for Maternal Birth Trauma Awareness Week. And this year, the theme is turning the spotlight on postpartum PTSD. It's always a busy week for my guest, Amy Dawes, who's the co-founder and CEO of the Australasian Birth Trauma Association, so I'm really grateful that Amy has made time to chat with me today. Amy, welcome, and it's so lovely to have the opportunity to speak to you again. Thanks for the opportunity. I just want to say at the outset that there is a lot to talk about, but before we get into our conversation... I'm very much aware that this episode may well bring up emotions for some people, so I do want to let everybody listening know that Lifeline is always there on 13 1, There's also several organisations set up just for new parents or parents who suffered loss or trauma, and I'll link to those in the show notes. It's important to remind people of the services that are around and that do exist, such as yours, such as the Australasian Birth Trauma Association, because the feelings that come up following a traumatic birth and including postpartum PTSD, which we're going to drill down into today, these feelings can come up unexpectedly.
1: Yeah, I think think it's really important to acknowledge that trauma from the birth process is unexpected because... Society typically views birth as a, as a happy event and so when you potentially emerge from the childbirth experience not feeling okay, that can be quite confronting if people don't know that birth trauma is a thing.
0: Yeah, well let's just talk about birth trauma being a thing and what might seem to many to be a simple question but it's probably not a question that has a simple answer. So, would you mind just breaking it down and telling the listeners, what is birth trauma?
1: Yeah, um, actually, interestingly, as an organisation, as we've evolved, we've started calling it birth-related trauma because um, it's not necessarily only the birth experience. So, it is either psychological or physical wounds or injuries that result um, as, a, as, as part of pregnancy Labor and birth, or the postnatal period, and um, those wounds or injuries can have long term impacts on a parent's well being. It's really important as well to acknowledge that birth related trauma not only impacts women, but birthing people, fathers, non birthing parents, and others witnessing a traumatic birth as well. Like the extended family, for example. Yeah, interestingly, I actually had a mum. Who watched her daughter give birth, and she rang up and said, "Do do you want to hear stories from you know people witnessing?" And I said, "Well, it's really important actually that you have reached out." And and she um, was incredibly traumatized from witnessing her daughter have a um, cardiac arrest um, during the birth process, and she really wanted to speak. So absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it can actually ripple out. And, 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 it, and sometimes in situations, the person experiencing the birth, the mother or the birthing parent, they can be okay. And it's the partner that can, that can walk away uh, with, with symptoms of trauma.
0: Yeah. As I said earlier, the theme of this week's Maternal Birth Trauma Awareness Week, which we're in at the moment, is postpartum PTSD. So I wondered if you'd tell us what is postpartum PTSD. What are the signs that need to be watched out for? And it's not always as a result of actual the, the birth trauma process, as you've just been explaining. But that could certainly be a trigger. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I should probably preface this that um, postpartum PTSD is not formally recognised as a term at this stage. Um, so. Uh, we could say post-traumatic stress disorder as a as a result of the childbirth experience. Uh, interestingly, the British Medical Journal uh, published some research last year to say that about three to six percent of women can emerge from the birth process with um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Often, it goes underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed, and that's really important to acknowledge. The experiences that people go through in their journey to parenthood can result in trauma and um, I was speaking to a psychologist recently and she actually talked to me about um, the cascade of trauma and I thought that was really interesting because it's something that we see a lot you might call it the cascade of vulnerability because trauma is sometimes quite a big word for people but I'll give you an example you might have um, parents that have gone through the IVF process multiple processes of trying to conceive and then eventually you know that pregnancy comes And they might experience pregnancy complications such as hyperemesis, gestational diabetes. Maybe they get some unknown health conditions like preeclampsia. So they have a difficult birth process. And then they go on to have a traumatic birth experience with interventions or feeling at loss of control during the birth, feeling like they are. uh, We often hear women talk about feeling like they're a spectator in their own birth. So they go through this traumatic birth experience and they come out the other side not feeling okay. And yet we say to them, but at least you have a healthy baby. Of course, if they're lucky enough to have a healthy baby. Um, and we do that not just as a society and not just as friends and families, but also clinicians quite often do that. So you people experience this sort of cascade of vulnerabilities and then it's really difficult to access support. And so, you know, the research indicates importantly that the sooner we seek treatment for trauma the better the outcome may be and I think you know conversations have really evolved and we're talking a lot more now about postnatal depression and anxiety Um, but they can often exist as trauma symptoms and many parents would benefit from specialised trauma treatment and so that's kind of where we're at and why we wanted to talk specifically about PTSD as a result of the birth process for this year's Birth Trauma Awareness Week. So that not only can parents recognise the signs and symptoms, but also so clinicians are aware that PTSD from the birth process does occur. And what's really interesting is um, birth as a possible traumatic event was only recognised in 2014. So although these conversations have evolved, um, we know that changes in conversations in the medical community take a long time. Um, and so it's really important to shine a light on um, PTSD as a result of the birth process.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And just, again, drawing on the focus on postpartum PTSD and the work that you're doing in the PTSD area and the theme of this week's Maternal Birth Trauma Awareness Week I understand you've just done a survey of more than a 1,000 women. What were some of the major findings in that survey?
1: Yeah, it was really interesting, this survey, because it wasn't – previously in the past, we've um, surveyed our huge community. We've got um, a community of over 4,000 women um, that are quite involved in our organisation. They seek support from us, but this was an external survey. Um, So it was incredible to get that many responses in the space of – I think it was about a week, maybe two weeks – I would like to say that some of the findings surprised me, but they didn't at all. Interestingly, one in three um, of the participants viewed their birth as traumatic. And one in 10 participants viewed their birth as extremely traumatic. And so that really supports what we already knew. Alongside that... Um, we, 79% of people that responded indicated that they experienced at least one symptom of um, PTSD. And yet less than half of those people had sought treatment for their symptoms.
0: They're really alarming statistics and I've read and heard and know uh, one in three women do describe their experiences um, as traumatic. But that was something that you were you were finding in the in the surveys that you did so can we turn just to the messaging around birth trauma and birth policy and um, as you know the New South Wales government further focus was and what they described and the way they packaged and messaged uh, birth policy was in terms of it you know pushing women into what they termed normal birth yes you know the the process of birth can be a magical moment and and it's changing and, and we're, what we're learning about this is unfolding. Um, when we've seen a change in messaging by the New South Wales government so that it's moving towards uh, a more informative and respectful message. Uh, what, what do you think about the messaging from the health professionals and governing bodies? What's changing in your view? Is there any change?
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of the messaging, what I can talk to is obviously the stories that we hear. And every day we hear stories from women and and parents in every state, in every territory about their birth experience. So I do think the conversations have evolved around birth-related trauma. For a start, we're talking about it. Um, But I mean, last year, I think New South Wales released some guidelines around normal birth. And it was actually quite shocking to see and they got some real backlash around that and subsequently changed them but the fact that we are still talking about normal birth and i get it it's complicated because uncomplicated vaginal birth doesn't exactly roll off the tongue but but what is a normal birth because birth is completely individual so so what is great for one person can be extremely traumatic for the other person and um and what we see in these stories is often clinicians, how it plays out in um in the birthing space is that still people's unique individual wants and needs are not respected. And um and and, and that's what we see. Yes, indeed. Um so just let's talk, if
0: you don't mind, about your own situation, which I suppose you would say, and um, propelled you into this area. Um, And I know that you've been extremely generous uh, sharing your story in the past. I've heard your story um, a number of times, but I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about what happened in in your situation with the birth of your first daughter and how your experiences led you to the journey that you've had.
1: Yeah, well, it did launch my career in talking about my vagina for a living and I do joke about that, but um, I am incredibly open about sharing because that is the whole, um, the, you know, that's what we do as an organisation is sharing the lived experience stories and advocating for improved um, uh, education and and it is in storytelling that, that we can drive change. But in my own experience, um, like lots of women... I thought that if I did all of the right things, then I'd get the birth that I wanted. So um, I was thrilled to be accepted into a midwifery group practice. Um, So I had continuity of care. I took up pregnancy yoga. Uh, I continued exercising. I did a private birthing course and I just thought I would breathe my baby out. And unfortunately, she didn't get the memo. And, um, you know, to cut a very long story short, I, ex- I ended up having a high forceps delivery. And at the te- at the time, sus- uh, was told I sustained a third degree tear. Um, when I was in recovery, everybody kept saying to me, oh, you got the birth that you wanted. Because at the time, I was very, I wanted a vaginal birth. I was, um, you know, I, I, I wanted the baby to get all those microbes and... Um, and I, I didn't know about any of the risks associated with forceps. And that's actually the reality today is that um, we do not talk about what instrumental deliveries mean. And yet we know that one in four first time mothers or birthing parents will end up with an instrumental delivery. Um, so <clears throat> initially in recovery in hospital, uh, I was uh, bed bound with a catheter, and on day five, I was wheeled outside in a wheelchair for some fresh air. But I think as a new mum, you don't realise that that's not normal, and you know you just are so focused on the baby. So I was hyper focused because I couldn't get to her, um, couldn't get her out of the crib, um, and it was it was really tough. But I just didn't really, you know, know what had happened, and I actually suffered. Um, faecal incontinence for about the first six months but fortunately um, I was in a privileged position that I could access private um, pelvic health physiotherapy and and she really helped um, she helped uh, rehabilitate me Um, and I just thought things would get better but actually at 16 months postpartum after my first run I ended up experiencing like this heavy sort of dragging sensation in my vagina which I now know to be a prolapse which is pelvic organ prolapse Um, I went to see a physio. She palpated my pelvic floor and uh, diagnosed me with something called a bilateral levator avulsion, which is where I've got significant pelvic floor damage that has, um, uh, it's no longer attached to the bone. And at this stage, there is no surgery that repairs that. Um, And so, you know, I went into that appointment as a 35 year old woman, and I left that appointment feeling like I was 85. I was told that I couldn't do the sports that I wanted to do. Um, I was told that I shouldn't lift up my daughter, which I dutifully stopped doing. Um, and I felt completely and utterly broken. And of course, I felt like I was the only one because I'd never heard of prolapse and I never heard of um, these kind of injuries. And I felt like a freak. And all of those feelings contributed to shame and isolation and my mental health unsurprisingly quickly plummeted. Um, But it was my physio that connected me with other women that were further along in their own journeys after experiencing forceps delivery and subsequent injuries and they had similar interests, they were very active. And for me, that was incredibly cathartic because when you go into a specialist appointment, A, it costs a lot of money you don't have them that you can call up anytime to ask questions. And so to be able to connect with the, somebody else that gets it and ask them, oh, hey, have you used a pessary? Or what does this mean? Um, for me, it was just completely uh, game-changing. And then when my physio told me how uh, common, for example, prolapses, it does impact one in one in two women, I just thought, well, why aren't we talking about it? And so that kind of, as I joke, that launched my career in talking about my vagina um, but it also sort of lighted a fire in me where I thought, well, something needs to change. And that's where I stumbled, stumbled across the work of um, Dr. Liz Skinner now. And she, um, she was actually doing some groundbreaking research in the psychological impact of physical trauma. And I reached out to her to say, what can I do? Can you interview me? And, and then the conversation evolved and, um, and she suggested that there should be a birth trauma association in Australia. And I thought, let me make that happen and basically haven't stopped since. I'm Catherine
0: Henry, Principal at Catherine Henry Lawyers, and I'm talking to co-founder and CEO of the Australasian Birth Trauma Association, Amy Dawes, about maternal birth trauma and postpartum PTSD on this episode of Law Matters. Quite awful injuries uh, that you gradually learnt had happened in your first birth, and certainly those injuries you learnt uh, were were what we regard as avoidable. We as health lawyers are dealing with a lot of medical negligence litigation act for women like yourself who have um, suffered avoidable birth trauma. I'm fortunate to have a lawyer on our staff who has worked as a midwife for two decades. So um, she provides a particular insight into this. But um, I was interested to hear you say that birth trauma from a medical perspective has only been recognised since 2014, and the first case that I did was probably a little bit earlier than that time. Uh, I was just thinking about it um, yesterday. I think it, uh, the case was 12 years ago, so around the time that we're beginning to understand about uh, traumatic birth, and uh, this it was just such a terrible story, it's somewhat like the your own story that you've just described. Uh, the woman that I acted for was from Regional New South Wales. Um like often is the case in maternal birth trauma litigation, we find that the the women that we act for, are um, they've had their first birth, that, that it's their first birth that has been traumatic, but they haven't had this experience of just breathing their babies out. So in this particular case, the woman's first baby, the client's first baby was forcibly delivered by a consultant obstetrician at a public hospital, vaginally in the breach position without any or any adequate pain relief and with an episiotomy. Um, She sustained a labral tear and she had to have several surgical procedures afterwards. At times she needed a wheelchair, but I'm still in touch with her and her husband. Um, So I know that um, the problems are ongoing. She has very significant physical and psychological injuries. Uh, It was a terrifying situation for the client and one that I know that she's not fully recovered from because of the ongoing um, association. So that case introduced me to this field and and this area, and the you know I, I felt fortunate to be able to help this woman um, you know, process what had happened to her. Uh, it brought back to me what I'd been through in what I then learnt was a, a, you know my own traumatic uh, birth of my daughter. and um and and so I think it's really important to realize, and you do you know you you make a good point. Some of these terrible situations that arise are avoidable. Many, many are not. We're also hearing at the moment in the press, maybe in the last month, of some other terrible stories of birth trauma that have taken place in Wagga in southern New South Wales, and the New South Wales Healthcare Complaints Commission is investigating complaints from thirty women who've had traumatic birth. You'd like to think that these things that you've been through, that I went through, that Mike, you know, that. That others that we act for uh, go through, but I know that they do, and and I wonder whether some of these examples that we're talking about um, sort of provide an accurate cross section of the types of traumas the women that you talk to have gone through.
1: Yeah, and um, there's a few things to unpack there. And um, firstly, Catherine, I'm sorry to hear that you experienced a traumatic birth as well, and the same with with your client um but you did touch upon a couple of things which is um firstly the preventable aspect of trauma my understanding obviously prefacing this with that i'm not a, a medical professional but um looking at the research um uh, in the case of levator avulsion which is what i experienced as the result of forceps that can occur in a straightforward uncomplicated vaginal birth and um i remember one of the first women that sort of called me up directly after finding my number buried online somewhere um, and she shared her experience with me. She had actually what looked like a textbook birth, um, the birth that she wanted, a water birth and, um, and during that birth she felt something pop and she ended up with an avulsion and subsequent PTSD as a result of her, of her experience. Um, statistically, my understanding is that one in 10 women that have a vaginal birth can experience levator avulsion. That is the same statistic if they have a vacuum delivery. What's important to to note is that forceps, that risk is increased to one in two. And that is why it's so important to talk about instrumental deliveries long before in the delivery suite. Um, In terms of that recognition of birth-related trauma, I'm specifically talking about PTSD as a result of the birth experience. Um, it's really interesting. We have, I've recently connected with Phoenix, Australia, which is a PTSD organisation, and they have seen an increase in the number of women um, reaching out to them for support. Um, and that kind of put birth trauma or birth-related trauma on their radar. radar. So we're, we're having some good conversations there. Um, the other thing that you mentioned is the first births. What we, we see is... Um, you know particularly with our peer-to-peer social which is a a private Facebook support group for women and birthing people uh, that identify as having birth-related trauma when we first began and started that support group back in 2017 um, a lot of people that were finding us were based on me sharing my story quite openly so those were women um, specifically with physical and psychological trauma and those women were were self well finding us themselves and they could have been anywhere in their postpartum journey so they could be within six you know weeks months but we were seeing women that have had babies years and even decades ago that just hadn't had a space to share their experience and then um, over time now when we see people coming into the group it's really interesting we see women that have had babies um, they're in that first 12 months postpartum but our second biggest cohort is two to five years Um, postpartum and often people don't realize that they've had trauma until they're trying to conceive or they're pregnant the second time and speaking to Phoenix Australia I discovered that people that have experienced trauma have um, typically take about seven years to seek support and that's probably men women it's even longer Um, so there's all these sort of you know important things to sort of state I guess and and I know I have kind of slightly gone off your question but Um, We just see such a diverse range of experiences. Some of that trauma is preventable. When you read these stories, uh, you think, what what is happening here? Why are people being treated this way? And quite often the trauma that, 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 that families we support have experienced, at some point in their journey to parenthood, if they were treated with compassionate care, in fact, the research suggests that trauma can be prevented in the moment with the application of compassionate care. And that's really interesting because I think that I didn't, and even though I feared for my life during the birth of my daughter, uh, I had an anaesthetist that was with me and communicated with me when I thought that I was not okay and they were ordering units of blood. Um, but that isn't occurring. And that that absence of um, compassionate care alongside invalidating and not believing an individual's experience um, can be such a huge trigger for trauma and we hear people that have had trauma from uh, you know instrumental delivery straightforward vaginal birth cesarean sections um, trauma from having a premature baby trauma from being separated from baby In in a country like ours often we have these uh, resource at these hospitals that are not resourced. A so baby has to go to a different hospital. That's incredibly impactful. Um, you know, having a baby going to uh, intensive care, mum going into intensive care, postpartum hemorrhage. There's so many triggers to trauma and we hear all of them. You make
0: the very important point that women need to know and have a full and frank information sharing process well before the birth process. And Another important point that you just made. Why is it that women are treated this way? Why is it that it's thought that women don't deserve to know what can happen? And and I'd just like to hear your thoughts about that because it seems to me, and, and I'm always careful to say, I don't come from a pro-vaginal birth or a pro-C-section perspective in this, but what I do come from is a, a desire to have women no empowered to make birth choices with all the information i just wondered where you see where have we gone on that journey
1: yeah so it's quite a complex question because i think i, I said to you um before we jumped online that often um when we're talking about birth related trauma often the conversation comes down to um you know, it's mode of delivery, everybody should have a vaginal birth or, you know, it becomes vaginal birth versus cesarean or midwifery-led care versus doctors. I think we have to just take a much bigger picture at this, a much broader look at this. Um, so I think, you know, as I mentioned as well, is that part of the reason that we really want to tell stories is because it's the stories that we hear that, that, that paint the picture for us. And for a long time we didn't talk about this stuff. You know, birth trauma isn't anything new. Um, my mum had an experience with me where her she had a retained placenta and it was just she yanked out of her. And um, but you just got on with it. And I think that we are really sort of fed this narrative that we should be grateful for for what, you know, for for walking out of the birth process alive and and hopefully having a live baby as well. Uh, But I think we are actually starting to go, hang on a minute, I want to be psychologically and physically well. I want to be well enough to take care of my child and to take care of myself. Um, So we're we're asking for more. Um, The other thing is, is that I think that what we see a lot is what we hear a lot are the stories of, um, you know, parents actually seeing this friction in the workplace between clinicians and and that is um you know that's incredibly confronting for someone that's that's going through something that is probably going to be the most vulnerable point in their lives uh, the other thing is is that around education it's not only education um improved educational antenatal and unbiased um, education in the antenatal period for parents where we kind of need to give the autonomy back to parents and not assume we know what they want but actually hear what they want and what is their individual circumstances their unique set of wants and needs but I do think that there is a gap in information for all professionals that work with birthing parents and and my understanding at this stage is there is not um, a single profession that works with birthing families that has anything about birth-related trauma on the curriculum and yet we know how big the impact is it affects one in three families so why are we not learning this um why are students not learning this as they're training in their discipline and the problem with that is um we're also seeing uh particularly as well in new, new south wales this talk around trauma-informed care and it does seem to be a bit of a buzzword um but i do think it's really really important to acknowledge People bring baggage into the birth suite and that can influence the birth experience. And I don't think we've been talking about that enough. And, and, and this, this is something that I've really been learning recently. And again, it's thanks to, I think, of one particular mum that shared her story last year for Birth Trauma Awareness Week. And her name is Hannah. And Hannah was, was going through the birth experience and she had to have a, she ended up having an epidural. And she was completely immobilised from, you know, the chest down. And during that experience, she ended up disassociating and had a flashback to when she was being abused by her swimming coach. Anna had a pre-existing trauma of sexual assault as a child. There's some research that came out, I think, last month um, and that research indicated that 28.5% of Australian adults between the ages of 16 and 60 have experienced child sexual abuse. That is a confronting statistic. But the other confronting thing about that is that these people may go on to have children and that trauma may be buried or that trauma they may be seeking psychological support. But that trauma does matter when it comes into the birth suite and those vulnerabilities and people aren't going to disclose this if we don't have a psychologically safe environment and that is why it's so important to have continuity of carer absolutely but if if we are not asking these questions and also not providing a safe environment of course people aren't going to disclose it I vividly remember myself on a much sort of smaller context but Um, My lovely midwife had asked, um, you know, whether I had any pre-existing mental health conditions. I did. But at the time, I was great. You know, I was very happy, pregnant. You know, I thought, why are you asking me that? Why is that relevant? I didn't know that, of course, if you walk in with your baggage baggage with pre-existing mental health conditions, that does increase your risk of walking out of the birth experience with challenges. And it's the same with um, pre-existing trauma, One The the World Health Organization says that one in three women have experienced sexual violence, most at the hands of an intimate partner. This is what we're bringing into the birth suite. And that is why the application of trauma-informed care is so important, but there isn't enough education around it. And also, if we ask people these questions, where do we send them for support? So we've got a real barrier for not only do we have um, a profession professions you know the maternity profession is undervalued um, we've got you know a, a workforce that is burnt out because they have to do incredibly long hours people are leaving midwives are experiencing their own um, uh, PTSD or symptoms of PTSD and so we have an environment that really doesn't lend itself to good outcomes and I, I think that's just so important to acknowledge I'd
0: like to just ask you, following on from that and the importance of education and the, 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 the work that needs to be done there, what, what are your hopes for the recently announced New South Wales inquiry uh, into birth trauma? Do you feel, is that, is that uh, a, a good development? I'm, I'm sure you'll say it is, but what do you hope that we
1: can achieve through this inquiry? Catherine, I'd like to see... A national inquiry um last year. I mean, no, I think it was at the start of this year. We had a me- meeting with the Department of Health, and we said that we would like to start um, measuring birth outcomes. Um, we need to start looking at birth beyond the birth notes, beyond the six-week check if people go for that, and we actually need to be checking in on parents at three months, at six months, and a year postpartum because. You know, I've already said before that people are not seeking support for trauma symptoms. Um, The problem with that is if they're not seeking support, what they do is potentially develop unhealthy coping mechanisms that cause further detriment to not only their well-being, but the well-being of their family, their ability to bond with baby. Um, You know, it ripples out into the community. And, um, you know, uh, I think there should be a national inquiry because, as I said, we are actually not putting the well-being of the birthing community um, as a priority and that's, that's, that's our next generation. So I think there needs to be a, 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 an inquiry that is federal government-led um, that, that, that really looks at, at birthing outcomes.
0: Thanks so much, Amy, for talking to me today on Law Matters. Uh, you do so much and um, thank you for all that you do in this important area, and I look forward to talking to you again. Maternal birth trauma is often not talked about, so if you are suffering, please know that you don't have to do that in silence. We will put some links in the show notes of where you can go for help if you need it. And a heartfelt thank to Amy Dawes, the co-founder and CEO of the Australasian Birth Trauma Association, for talking to me today in this episode of Law Matters. I'm Catherine Henry of Catherine Henry Lawyers, and if you need help navigating obstetric negligence in maternal health, please reach out and contact us at Catherine Henry Lawyers. And if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. This podcast was produced by Pod and Pen Productions.